America. My name is I'm Yosef Frimpong, and I come to you live every Friday about this time to talk to you about the issues of the day, but do so in a way that's, I think, philosophically rich or at least provocative, such that you can understand and give clarity to your life. I want to make the implicit explicit. And if I make the implicit explicit, it might not solve your problems, but it might clarify the fight in a way that I think is responsible. And so today we're going to talk about prodigal whiteness. And what does that mean? What do I mean by prodigal whiteness? You don't know, around, I'll, I'll tell you a little Bible story. There's a, one of the parables is that there's this uh, father who's got a ton of money and two, two sons. The younger son uh, says like, look, just give me the inheritance now and I will... Uh, do what I can, and it'll be great for me at least, and it'll be fine. All right, so the father gives the son the inheritance, the but the prodigal son is prodigal, right? So wastrel, he, he kind of spends it out like profligate, just spends money and, and wastes it. And then he comes back hat in hand to the father and says, uh, oops. Now, the, the, the younger son expects scorn. But is instead, like said, no, come back in. You're my son. It's, it's my, it's, you're my kid. It, it's no big deal. Here, have some of your brother's inheritance. And everything's fine. And then the brother, who actually did everything they were supposed to, they get, he gets ticked and is like, hey, look, I did everything I was supposed to. And the father says, well, you're my son too, so you get all that I have. We are all, um, you know, one, right? So, and that's the story. That's kind of like America and white people. What do you mean by that, Irony? I'm just saying that in the back of their mind, they know America has their back no matter if they screw up royally. Right? That is the deal. That is the racial contract that kind of undergirds uh, the United States that, you know whiteness rules and even if you are a horrible like you can be pretty bad but if you come back your white card is always going to be good and better than other people's right that's the deal america gives and if ever there is a uh any sort of question about that you know they riot and stuff and take over capitol buildings <laughs> I, like that's prodigal whiteness and so this is what that this has to do with the multi the hope of the multiracial uh, coalition which is actually going to be the the why the multiracial coalition won't the multiracial working class coalition won't ever actually manifest the way um some people on the left think it will it's because the multi the working class white america is only working class on the job but everywhere else they're white right and depending on who you talk to come promotion time and firing time they're white on the job too so that's going to be the issue um with a multiracial working class you're asking white people to give up the perks of whiteness in all of their other institutions in order to join with a, a multiracial working class. Because you have to understand that there are all these institutions of freedom and, and institutions that negotiate how freedom is worked out. And they're all mutually reinforcing, right? So your white supremacist church like supports your white supremacist 
uh, workforce, which supports your white supremacist family, which supports your white supremacist, uh, you know, you know, chamber of commerce, which supports your white supremacist government, which supports your white supremacist legal system. So on the job, the white working class is degraded, but everywhere else, they profit from being white. Right, so not only are you risk, are you asking them to risk their insurance policy on the job, uh, you're asking them to risk their whiteness everywhere else, and that's not going to be uh, that's that's not going to be an easy sell. And I'm going to go into a little bit more details after the beat. To the beat, y'all. Uh, yeah. The one thing I like about August Wilson, uh, he's a playwright, and I, you know, I've seen a few of his plays. <laughs> there was always like the 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 root of the tension often has something to do with betrayal of someone who is supposed to be your ally. I'm thinking right now of like Jitney, right? So Jitney's an August Wilson play where the son of the taxi cab, um, the black son of a taxi cab uh, um, owner uh, goes to jail and he goes to jail for... Like he was betrayed by his white girlfriend, right? So his white girlfriend, um, they were going out and maybe she cried rape and he might've killed her. I don't know, but she did something. She, it wasn't just him. He was like, she, he expected like them to be in it together and she sold him out for something. And so he ends up going to jail cause maybe he killed her because she, <laughs> cause she like cried rape on him and like it totally wasn't that. And he's like, why do you do that? Or, or maybe she just cried rape on him and, and sent him to jail because it was just more convenient for, for her at, in the moment. Um, so like it, was something, it was something like that where she betrayed him and then he ends up in jail and then comes out and is, is angry and that kind of motivates a lot of the play. So we have to understand why the, you know, the white working class coalition that the left thinks it can build and build simply is is fundamentally naive, right? So there are many institutions of freedom, right? Where like you have a right to join the institution and within it, like it actually expresses who you are, your family, for example, right? So like within your family, you kind of figure out like how your household should operate, which is cool, right? You get to do it. Nobody gets to tell you what to do. Nobody, like not convention, nobody. It's just you and your family, you figure it out and you're all immediately for each other, like, it's it's one of those institutions of where like a peculiar kind of freedom, which is different than like a market freedom, where you can, you know, take it or leave it. <laughs> you know, when a model, when something, when a newer model comes up, you just throw out the old and get a new if you can afford it, right? So that that's not how we do family. We don't just trade out our siblings when you know newer, better siblings catch our eye or or parents. That, that's not how families work. Um, but there's a peculiar kind of freedom in having like the immediate. Uh, connection and mutual accommodation of a family, which is different than the mediated accommodation and connection of a market relationship. 
and which is different from like a political relationship where we all come together and figure out the rules um, for all the other different spheres. All right, so there are all these different institutions of freedom. Um, churches, there are all these different institutions of freedom, and they're going to be structured in different ways. And I think in general, you kind of get what I'm talking about when I say that. And, and your job is one of them, right? The labor market is a market, and so it's a part of civil society. But it's only one uh, civil institution. It's an important one. And it's kind of, depending on who you talk to, it's one of the engines for the others because, like, it provides mass accommodation. Um, you produce while other people are producing for you, and it's, it's, it's pretty great, right? So the labor market um, is one institution and you think you're solidarity with everyone in your class within that institution. The problem is going to be that once you get off the job, you're participating in all of these other institutions. You know, there's no small number of people who think that they're progressive and think they're for racial justice right up until it sacrifices their property values, right? They're like, ooh, but like I'm a property owner too and that's an institution of freedom. I shouldn't have to jeopardize my property values by, you know, letting too many black people in. And apparently, over 13%, if over 13% of your neighborhood becomes black, the property value takes a precipitous dive. That's just the wages of blackness and the asset value of whiteness, right? So they're like, oh, I want racial justice, but I also like my property values and I shouldn't have to property um, jeopardize my property values for racial justice. And how many white people do you think even on the left, are going to jeopardize their property values for racial justice. Be honest now, how many white people you know are going to jeopardize their property values for racial justice, even if they're your ally? They might write you a little check for your little nonprofit, but they're not going to jeopardize their property values. That's their inheritance <laughs> for, for racial justice. Um, that white people won't even jeopardize the friendships they don't like. For the sake of racial justice, like, ooh, I want to be an ally, but um, I want to be an ally, but I, I don't want to like jeopardize this friendship with this person I don't like to be an ally with you. <laughs> so there's a you have to be very careful. You have to be very careful about um, you know people who aren't honest about all of their commitments to all of their different institutions. Right? And I, you know, I get in trouble when I say this about feminism, about why like, when feminism goes down, it's definitely going to be by the hand of other women who don't want to give up the perks of womanhood. Because if you give them the, uh, the, the chance, you know, especially white women, if you give them the chance to either organize a union or sell ass, I don't know. Like, all right, so I need to, it's either I organize all of these people to go against one manager or I could just try to sleep with a manager and I get the same perks. Like, I'm not saying they're all going to choose the option of the sleep with the manager, but, you know, people like options. And if you're saying that, like, look, justice will only come if you forego, not only for you, but for all of your daughters, the, the opportunity to, uh, to, to sleep your way into comfort or the smiley way into comfort, then like a lot of women are going to be like, no, I don't want that deal. No, I want the opportunity to try my hand in the labor market. But then if that doesn't work out, I also want to, the opportunity to put on a nice little dress and go out to the bar and meet a stockbroker and have that be like the same thing. Or be a real estate agent. 
Which um, I'm not saying that real estate agents are hookers, but like you know, you wanna you wanna meet a guy who is uh, you know, a lot of money. Try to find a guy who's buying a house because <laughs> that means they have a, enough for a down payment, and maybe you. So um, so what we have to think about is what people are willing to give up for racial justice and for this idea of a working class solidarity. Are they really going to sacrifice their prodigal whiteness, which means the whiteness that allows them to screw up, but still, you know, marry their way to like stability or hook up with, um, or like forego the opportunity to get the hookup job from their uncle. Um, so like, that's, that's what we're talking about. If we're saying that, look, look, if you're serious about, uh, racial solidarity, we're going to have to have you act like Cortez and burn all your ships. <laughs> like, that, you know, that's a story about Cortez. He came over to conquer. And then once he got here, he's like, all right, we're staying here. We're conquering, burn all the ships. We're not going back. Like, that's what you're like. That's going to have to be the content of a real multiracial, uh, working class movement, which means it's not going to happen. Because they're not going to burn their ships. They're not even going to admit that they have ships. They'll have little lifeboats hanging out and not tell you about it and be like, and then when things go bad, they run to their lifeboats and be like, ooh, I don't know. You never asked. Yeah. So they always have lifeboats and not honest about it. There is no small number of people who just um, will play dumb about the inheritance that they're going to inherit. But then will inherit. And and how that works on their psyche, right? And just like there are no small number of, like I said, the problems of whiteness and the problems of feminism are like actually really close because there are no small number of women who will say like, who won't admit that like, yeah, in a pinch, like, you know, I know how to take care of, get taken care of. And this is like, this is, uh, and you're not going to get taken care of by black act because like, you know, we don't have the money like that. So like, this is pretty much like, a white woman thing. Um, and, even, and it could be implicit. It's, nobody's going to admit that this is their plan one. Even the younger son's plan one wasn't to go out and waste all of his inheritance and come back hat in hand. But it's his insurance policy. And that's the same thing with your, you know, your working class racial justice ally. The plan is to like, you know, be with, uh, you know, shoulder to shoulder in the movement. But if that doesn't work out, you know, it really doesn't work out. I mean, you could, you want, they're going to want their insurance plan. Why people like their insurance, right? And it's no small secret that a lot of people in the civil rights movement died broke and their families were broke. I mean, you had MLK's kids selling his speeches. Like nobody, you know, ah. Cleveland Sellers, like, Josiah Williams wasn't doing that great. Like, at the end, they all died broke. And I never hear about the white freedom fighters dying broke <laughs> in the same way. Because maybe at the end, they go back home um, and to deal with their, 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 their prodigal parents. So, or, or their, their parents who say, like, come back, it's okay. So are they really going to give up thatness? And that's what's at stake. That's what's at stake. That form of freedom that says, like, you could screw up and come back and I'll still take you. 
And are they really going to fight to dismantle that, how that's institutionalized in the entire nation? Right? That's like asking CEOs and bankers to give up bailouts and saying, like, I don't want, I don't want the opportunity to be bailed out. Not just I don't want this particular bailout. I don't, I'm going to forego the opportunity uh, to, get, to be bailed out because that kind of security, when everyone else is insecure, is not fair. Is unjust, and it allows me to like predate on them, <laughs> be a predator because I know that in a pinch the federal government will will bail me out. So I'm 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 a CEO of a major company. I I'm going to give up the too big to fail status and say you should let me fail because I'm justice minded. No, no uh, private company is going to act like that, and no per and very few people are going to act like that either. So there's a bit where they'll jeopardize one institution, they'll jeopardize their church relationship, but not their family, they'll jeopardize their family relationship, but not like, you know, the, the kudos they got from being in Skull and Bones or whatever. So like, over at Yale. So people will jeopardize some institutions of whiteness for the sake of racial justice, but they're not going to jeopardize all the institutions. And since all of these institutions kind of reinforce each other, to like to make the content of white supremacy in the United States, you're gonna have to take them all down. And if you want a working class um coalition multiracial working class coalition, you're gonna have to be honest that the white people are gonna have to give up whiteness in all their aspects of life. They're gonna have to give up the perks of whiteness in all their aspects of life. They can still be white everywhere, but they're gonna have to give up the perks of whiteness everywhere. And that is that's a big pill. Because they've been addicted to the perks. Um, and not just Percocets, perks. Yeah, like Hunter, someone says Hunter Biden. Yeah, like, so you could say that in a well-ordered world, Hunter Biden should be in like many jails or something like that. No, no, Hunter Biden gets to screw up and come back and he still like, he still gets to hook up contracts. White people are not going to give up that. Wow, the prodigal son as Hunter Biden is actually, um, that's, that's pretty good. Like, that's, that's what we're asking people to give up. And that kind of justice, um, and th like, that's, the, that's what we're asking white people to give up in their, uh, in the, to be part of the multiracial working class coalition. That's actually substantive. At the superficial level, you can have one, knowing that in a pinch, white people are going to bolt. Um, but if you're actually serious about a substantive one, we have to be honest about what we're asking for them is give up whiteness as an insurance policy. As to not just be the prodigal son who goes back, but to be the prodigal son who is now banished, doesn't go back. And that's just not, that's just not where we are as a nation. That's just not where we are as a culture. And we need to understand that those are the stakes. So this myth of the white working class, uh, myth of the white working class coalition pretends that white people are only working class. White, the white working class is only working class. But really, the white working class is also, they're in white families. They're in white churches. They aspire to go to white schools. They aspire for their family. Like, you give them money, they will become... <laughs> you know, pretty anti-black in all of their other aspects and all of their other institutional relations. 
they'll you know take their kids out of school and now they can afford private school. I, I, I call them they're just kind of incapacitated racists. I mean, maybe unconscious, maybe consciously, but they're definitely incapacitated because they don't have the money to be full-blown racist. It's like the racist in remission. And now like we've won them more money and power. They'll be like, they'll actually actualize a racist racism in other institutions that will de facto be anti-black because they're not going to change the institutions, churches and neighborhoods and, and schools and like getting led out of the water and preferential treatment for their kids. You're asking white people to give up the right to hook up their screw up nephew and put him in a job over you. Or you're asking white people to give up the opportunity to be the screw up nephew and get a hookup job over you in order to be, and you're asking them to give up that opportunity in order to be solidarity with you. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just a large ask. And uh, like, we need to understand that that's, that's the assumption that goes into the idea that uh, like a working class coalition can work, uh, a multiracial working class coalition can work with a lot of white people who are not just white working class on the job, they're white everywhere else. And even the places where being white actually is, is good for them. All right, so if you like anything I'm saying, and if you support me doing the quality of, uh, of political education I do every week, go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in 5 15 or $50 um, a month and, and support what I'm doing, right? Maybe it's the case that Joe Biden would, would actually, like, cut Hunter off. Um, and maybe it's the case that... Uh, you know, you know, maybe, maybe these things are the case, but I don't think we understand how any of it works, right? I don't think we understand that there are many different institutions, and working your job is only one of them. It's an important one, but your job is one of them. So if you're asking for a working class coalition, you're not just asking for someone to dismantle the workplace because the workplace is networked into all of these other institutions. You're asking them to dismantle whiteness in all of these other institutions. They're not going to do that. They're not going to do that, and uh, that's, that's a problem that we have to take seriously. But, like, I, like, I get in trouble. Like, feminists get, like I say, there are parallels between like, like feminism and uh, the, the, the hope of the, the myth of the aspiration of feminism and the myth of the aspiration of the, of the multiracial working class coalition are very similar myths insofar as we're not honest about the perks for the coalition partners. So, like, I, I, I'm getting trouble for saying this, but it's, life keeps proving me right that, you know, the real feminisms that will actually do work are going to get taken out by other women who also claim to be feminists. Uh, they're going to get taken out by other women because those other women aren't going to want to give up the insurance policy and don't think they should have to give up the insurance policy of like, okay, well, you know, if the labor market doesn't work out, I also want to be able to sleep with a manager. 
and you know, and this is going to be a white thing predominantly because you know it, the world doesn't open up like that for black women. Unfortunately, if you watch too much media, a lot of black women will get confused and think that they're white women, will and will fight for white for the privileges of being white women, um, and that usually ends up with them being alone or confused or disappointed in in. So I just I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. Except that uh, the struggle is real. Oh, I will say, ah, I'll do another show on that. All right, so thank you for your time. And I hope this has clarified some of the problems with the idea of a multiracial working class uh, coalition. And the main point is going to be that it depends on white people being um, not just uh, pro-racial justice on the job, but pro-racial justice in all of their institutions. And they're not going to be degraded in all of their institutions. They might like their white church. They might like their white property values. They might like their white inheritance. They might like the possibility of, of, of you know, landing a, a, a boss mate um, and marrying up. They might like all of these other aspects of whiteness uh, and all of these other institutions. And so you're going to have to ask them, insofar as their institutions of freedom, to give up the free exercise of, like, within those institutions. Uh, and they're not going to want to do that because that's their insurance policy. That's, 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 that's their insurance policy. And there's a way in which everything else is just kind of cosplaying. I got, now someone said, I, I, there's a little bit of trouble. I don't want to say it's their plan A or plan B, because I think it's a lot, of, a lot of people, this is their plan B that's just an implicit plan B that they don't talk about, like plan on whiteness or plan on some sort of uh, unjust system. It's their implicit plan B that they don't talk about. But if you challenge it, they're going to fight for it as a plan B. Now, someone on my Facebook wall said that don't get it twisted. For a lot of these white women, that's plan A. <laughs> and the other thing is plan B. Um, I, I don't want to say that. I, I, I don't know. Um, I think that's for a lot of your, uh, you know, a lot of your, your more uh, thoughtful allies. It's, uh, it's their, like, unconscious plan B. But uh, maybe it is the plan A. And... I just don't know a lot of things about a lot of things. Anyway, thank you for your time, and I will see you next week. If you appreciate the work I do every week, and you think that I should continue to do it because I'm giving you the quality of political knowledge and insight that will help you not squander your life and kind of rescue meaning from it, then go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, or make one enormous donation. I like the monthlies because it allows me to budget more, and that'll help me, you know, with a marketing budget or getting better equipment that works all the time. Because a lot of, in a lot of ways, freedom means having equipment that works every time you turn it on. <laughs> and I want to be a free Negro. So, um, if you like what I do, go to funkyacademic.com and contribute thanks often comes in the form of cash 
and the site takes credit cards. 